Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Let's give a damn about literally anything because it sounds counterintuitive if you're like, dang, I am so overwhelmed by the chaos of this world. Everything feels too big, everything feels impossible. So that when we feel overwhelmed, we're like, okay, I'm just going to do nothing. But what I actually think the answer to bringing back joy, to feeling more grounded, to feeling more present in your life, to growing and flourishing as a person or as a family, I think that the answer is caring about something with passion is giving a damn about, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It's that you have something in your life that lights your heart on fire. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi guys, it's Rach. Welcome to another episode of the show and a conversation about excuses slash fear slash girl stop apologizing. <laughs> uh, today I thought it would be interesting to dig back into some of the things I wrote about in one of my books back in 20. 19, I guess this came out. So we're at four years since Girl Stop Apologizing came into the world. And I thought of it because a couple weeks ago, 
I was shooting a podcast episode and I gifted, when people come into the studio, I give them a little gift bag and the gift bag has a coffee mug from my favorite ceramicist and it has a start today journal. It has like just cute things that we've made over time. And one of the things that is included in that little bag is Girl Stop Apologizing because it is one of my favorite things I've ever written. And most of the time, if you're coming into this space as a woman, you're a woman who's working on some things. It doesn't matter what you do. Chances are, if you're interviewing with me on this show, you're working towards goals. You've got a career. You've got a thing, which is what that book is all about. And when I gave this particular woman the gift bag, she got so excited. She opened it. She was like, oh, I'm so glad that your book's in here. I loved Girl, Wash Your Face. I love that book. Love that book. And she pulled the book out and then was like, oh, what is this? And I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, what? what is this book? When did this come out? And it blew my mind because I think oftentimes when we are creating things and putting it out in the world, we think we have talked about something to the ends of the earth. We think we have talked about it to death and everyone is so sick of hearing about it. And I had this like totally wild moment where I was like, whoa, this person is a fan. Like she just told me how much she loved Girl, Wash Your Face. And she had no idea that I had written other books. And more specifically, this book was the follow-up to that one. So I thought, holy crap, if she's never even heard of this and she is exactly who the book is for, then it's possible that some of you have also not heard of the book. Or maybe you read it back in the day and you need a little refresher. My intention with this episode is to just share a particular idea or framework from that book. So I thought, how can I talk to y'all about it? You don't have to buy it. You don't even have to read it. But if I wanted to top line what that book is about, what would I say? So that's the intention in today's episode. And I really started out where the book starts out with this idea of excuses. What are the excuses that we hold on to that keep us from moving forward in our life? What are the excuses that keep us stuck? What are the excuses that you know hold us in this place and we're not able to move forward? How does that manifest in our life? And when I wrote that book, it came out in 2019, so I wrote it in 2018. When I wrote that book, I would have called these things excuses. But I've grown so much since then. It's been five years. I hope I've grown. And I've evolved and I've learned a ton more. And what I understand now that I didn't quite grasp then is there really are only two emotions. There really are only two. Love and fear. Every single thing that we encounter, I believe, can be disseminated and reduced down to one of those two things. And if I look at what I called excuses back in the day, what they actually are, are fears. So today we're talking about excuses and fears, four in particular, that hold us back and keep us in this spot. And I'm curious if any of these will resonate with you today. So that's what we're talking about. And I hope you're down to listen in. The first 
excuse, the first fear that is holding you back is fear of not being like the other girls. Now, I'm using the term other girls. You can fill this in with whatever word applies to you. I'm not like other guys. I'm not like other moms. I'm not like other kids at school. I'm not like this or that or the other thing. I'm not like what I see on social media. I'm not like what I see in my community. I'm not like what I see in my church. But there is a fear that many of us hold on to of being other. Because once upon a time, we were taught that being other was wrong. The story that I think of really started for me as a little girl when I understood that there were like different categories of girls in school. Probably second grade, which would be seven or eight years old, is about the time that I understood that I didn't fit into certain categories. It was when I understood that there were girls who had clothes that were prettier than mine, who were prettier than I was, whose parents I would later understand like had money my parents did not. Um, There were all of these things, and I'm sure if you think about it, you probably have your own version of this. You can probably go back into your childhood and remember a moment where you felt other. And that's me feeling other, and I was a normie. You know what I mean? Like if this was Wednesday, I was much more Enid than I was Wednesday. I was desperate to be pretty. I was desperate to be popular. I was desperate to be thin. And I was feeling those things as a quote unquote normal person. But if you think of it in the context, I'm just going to keep going down this pathway of Wednesday because it's a fantastic show. If you think of this in the context of you weren't normal, you were mysterious, you were dark, you were moody, you were different, you or you were funky, you were loud, you loved to be the center of attention, you loved to be the life of the party, and that didn't work well in the school or the church environment that you grew up in. Like, we all have our version of this. The point is that for most of us, once upon a time, we saw someone that we thought was better than us, and we equated their betterness to a better life. Once upon a time, some voice in our head, or maybe a very real voice of authority in our life, explained to us that if only we were like that, then life would be better. Then we would feel calmer. Then we would feel like we fit in. Then we would feel like we had worth. And what I need you to understand about this fear of being other is that everybody has it. Everybody. To varying degrees. Some of us have it in way more extreme ways than others. But everybody has this on some level. But we tell ourselves that the thing is that is true for us must not be true for other people. I have had the incredible insight of being able to meet so many different people through this work. And the thing I always think of is like the VIP line at a conference. So back in the day when I used to do women's conferences, there would be people 
who would come to the event as VIP for the express purpose of getting to meet me, take a picture, have me sign books. Like it was a whole thing. And in that process, I would meet so many different people, every walk of life, every age, every background, like I'm just every single person. And what I can tell you across the board is that the people who are standing in line, men and women, like didn't matter what their gender was, but if I would identify them in line and be like, oh, wow, she's stunning. Like she's gorgeous. Or I'd see a guy and be like, man, he looks like he has everything together, like buttoned up, great outfit, fancy watch. Across the board, those people had the most extreme stories, sometimes even more so than the people that I would think, oh, well, that's just like a normal, regular person. What I mean is I would, based on some background in my own mind, see someone who was like more beautiful and in my head think, oh, they must have the best life. Case in point, I will never forget doing a VIP line, one of the most beautiful women I have ever seen, like a Barbie. And I had seen her this was like day three of the, the conference. So I had seen this woman for multiple days. Every day I'd just be like, dang, she is so beautiful, right? And so she's come, you know, she's standing in line. She finally gets to me. Y'all, she comes up to me and she says, you know, I, ju I just want to thank you so much for your books. It was so helpful. It changed my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so glad that, you know, you got something out of it. And she grabs my hand. She's like, no, Rachel, I spent 10 years as a high-end prostitute. I was a call girl and I hated myself and I had no self-worth and I thought that I deserved it and I thought that I could never get out of that life. And she's like, I read your books and it made me start to think about myself in a different way. And it made me start to put myself out there and try different things. Y'all could have knocked me over with a feather. Never in my life would I have understood the story of this woman. It's why it is so important for us as humans to be in community with other people because we have this totally twisted belief that other people don't suffer and that other people don't have it hard. We have this twisted belief based on looking at someone that they don't go through things as hard as we go through. And so we tell ourselves this story that we have to be like what we think the ideal is. We have to be just like that. I think on some level we believe that if we're like other people, then we'll be more safe. I mean, and that goes back to like cavemen times, right? Like if you had a community, if you had a tribe, if you had people around you, they could help you to be safer. You didn't want to be excommunicated from that core group. And so there's this fear that if we don't look like if we don't act like, if we don't speak like the other community that we feel safest inside of, that shit's going to go sideways. 
I want you to understand that it's normal, but just because it's normal, just because it feels safe doesn't mean it actually is. Trying to be like everybody else might cause less friction in the short term, but in the long term, y'all, it is the death of your soul. I am sorry to be dramatic. No, I'm not. I'm a very dramatic person. Have you ever heard that quote? And I don't know who says it, but it's something like most men live lives of quiet desperation. The older I get, the more I feel that in my bones. Replace the word men with any, you know, women, most mothers, most students, like just human beings are living lives of quiet desperation. And I think that the number one cause of that feeling of desperation is that we don't have the freedom to be ourselves or we feel like we don't have the freedom to be ourselves. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. 
It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Earlier in my career as a working mom, I very publicly... Some of you were around back in the day when I had the chic site and I would post, you know, recipes and DIY and I would tell you how I was, you know, trying to get my kids to sleep through the night. I was, you know, I was a a blogger back in the day. And when I would meet people, I would play small. And I mean that I yes, I was a blogger, but I was a working mom. I was an entrepreneur. I had a I had a full-time staff of five people. And when I would meet people, I would go to events. I was married at the time and I would go to events and the other executives would be like, oh, you know, they'd ask questions assuming that I was one kind of person. And I just sort of would fit neatly into their box. I wouldn't talk about my business. I wouldn't talk about our revenue growth or any of the things I was really excited about or proud of because I got the very distinct impression that that was not what the wife of an executive was supposed to do. And it wasn't just that environment that had given me this idea of what it was to be the right kind of person. I didn't want to appear wrong. I, I just wanted to like fit in and, and have it all work. But inside... I was dying. Literally, I got vertigo. I had vertigo for a full year where I would just feel totally disoriented and out of sorts. And I didn't understand that my vertigo was an emotional response to feeling like my life was out of control because my company and my work kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger it got, the more I felt this pressure from my immediate family to be small. Because people would prefer us to be the version that suits them the best. Anyone in your life who is not evolving, who's not growing, who's not becoming something more, will always prefer that you stay the version of you that suits them best. Sit with that for a second. The reason that we get pushback from others, the reason that you know our partner doesn't like that we sign up for a marathon, the reason that our sister gives us shit because we gave up drinking, the reason that you know our high school friends make fun of us because we're trying to start our own business, the reason that we get pushback from other people is because they are not on a similar trajectory and they don't like being reminded that they're not on a similar trajectory. And you and the changes you're making in your life is holding up a mirror to the fact that they're still stuck. They would prefer the version of you that makes them feel good. They would prefer the version of you that is also stuck. 
it's not hard to understand why we have fear around not being like everybody else. But y'all, you were not made to be like everybody else. Not one person on this planet was made the same. Maybe identical twins. But even then, right? Like we were made to be our own unique expression and you have one chance. I mean, I believe in past lives. But other than that, in this iteration, in this lifetime, you got one shot. One shot. And your fear of being different than other people, oh, we'll just make sure that you are the same as everybody else. What a nightmare. There is no one way to be. There is no one way to be. There's no one way to be anything. You can be a preacher who's really into rap and riding horses and gets their nails done and loves Sean Connery movies. I don't know. Isn't it so much better and more interesting when you meet people that are into different things, that try different stuff, that push themselves outside? Like, don't you admire people who have more freedom in how they show up in this world? I hope that you do. I hope that you see that freedom as a representation of what you could do and how you could make change in your life if you gave yourself permission to be different. The fear of not being like other people is actually irrational because you're never going to be like other people. It's impossible. It's something like one in a 400 trillion chance that you are you. The odds of you being born you and listening to this conversation right now are so microscopically impossible that you should get up every day and understand that this is a wild, incredible gift. There's only one of you. So you're going to get to the end of your life and be like, well, thank God I lived 50 more years being just like Ashley and Jennifer and Michelle and all the other moms in PTA. I didn't stand out. I didn't get into roller derby, even though I was really interested in it. I never cut bangs because I was afraid of how they would look. I never tried to have my own business because I worried what would happen if I fail. Oh my God, how, honestly, can we stop being so boring? What a boring choice to just do the same stuff that everybody else does forever and ever until you die. Barf. Seriously. Can we stop taking ourselves so seriously? Can we stop? The world is serious enough. Just open up your phone, start scrolling social media, and it will remind you that it is a massive dumpster fire and aliens are real and we're over here. AI is going to take over and we're holding on by a thread. The more crazy everything seems, at the very least, can we take that as a sign 
to not take ourselves so seriously, to have more fun, to take some more chances, to try and shake things up, to be okay to get it wrong, to be okay to make a mistake with bangs. We've all been there, right? Don't let a fear of not being like other people hold you back. The whole point is to carve out a life that doesn't look like everybody else's. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The second fear that's holding you back. Ooh, this is good. This is so good, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to make an entire podcast episode about it. But the fear of being bad, being a bad girl, or being a bad boy. I'm sure some of you who are raised as boys, you got your own stuff about being bad and good. But man, I don't know anybody who has it worse than those of us who are struggling with good girl syndrome, which is actually a thing. But let's just take it in terms of this excuse that holds us back. I can't pursue my dreams and still be a good fill in the blank. I can't pursue my dreams and still be a good mama. I can't pursue my dreams and still be a good teacher. I can't pursue my dreams and still be a good leader. I can't pursue my dreams and still be a good Christian. Like literally fill in the blank. Fill in the blank with whatever word is currently holding you hostage. I did say hostage because anytime that we attach an identity 
to a personal moniker that we have and that identity isn't one that's like fluid and open, that it has like a strict set of parameters around it, we really limit ourselves. Because if you have ideas about what a good mom is supposed to be or what a good life is supposed, you know, if I was living a good life, I'd have my own home and I'd be married and I'd be this and I'd be that. Or, you know, if I was living a good life, I'd have a disposable income and I'd travel the world and I, you know, whatever things you make up about how you're supposed to do something usually don't come from you. Usually when we have ideas about what a good mom is or a good dad is or a good man is or whatever, they didn't come from us. Those ideas come from community. Those ideas come from your family of origin. Those ideas for some of us came from religious dogma. Like there's a whole litany of stuff that has shaped the way you see how you're supposed to show up. And if your dream causes you to step outside the lane of good fill in the blank, then chances are you'll give up on the dream. You'll use being a good whatever as your excuse for not pursuing the desire of your heart. And this gets really murky on a lot of levels. On the most basic, I always worry about what happens when we attach why we can't do something to someone else. Particularly those of us who have kids, anyone who's in a relationship, anyone who, you know, has aging parents that you're taking care of, where you have to show up and be a carer for someone else, or you have to show up in a certain way for someone else, and you use them as the reason why you don't pursue your own thing. That is dangerous. That is, that is a really bitter pill that you are concocting and that you're going to swallow someday and you're going to blame your bitterness on the other person when it was never their fault. It's not your adult children's fault that you didn't pursue your career when you were younger. It's not. And holding it against them is keeping you stuck. The freedom comes from, yeah, that's a choice I made. For whatever reason, I didn't feel like I had another option I made the choice to be a stay-at-home mama, and now here I am, I'm in my 60s, and I don't have anything for myself, and I'm like blaming it on these kids. It's not their fault. You're like, these ungrateful, blah, 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 blah. No, accept what is, accept the choice that you made, accept that it couldn't have been any different than it was, because you made the best choice that you could with the situation you were given and the information you had at the time. And once you accept that thing, start now. You're like, but I'm 60. Who cares? People are living to over 100. That means that you got what? 30 years, 40 years, 50 years left to go. You've got all of those extra years and 
you have the added bonus of more money, more resources, more wisdom. Like, let's go. Stop blaming your family for the fact that you're not where you want to be. Own your decisions and move forward. And the same goes for those of you who have a two-year-old. The same goes for those of you who have no children. I heard a young woman recently talking about a career choice she was thinking about making. She was like 20. And she was like, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm really interested in psychology, like childhood psychology. I'm really interested in it. She had had some help from a psychologist when she was little and it was hugely impactful. And she's like, I just, I would love to do, I think it'd be so cool. But I think that I'm actually going to get my teaching credential because long-term I want to be a parent, like long-term I want to be a mom. And I just feel like being a teacher sets me up better to be a mom than if I was a child. I barely knew this person, so I couldn't shake her, but the way that I wanted to. Y'all, this baby cherub, beautiful young woman was about to make a choice for her future slash rest of her life based on fictional children she hopes to have someday. And I know some of you right now are like, wait, I do that. That's just good planning. No, y'all, that is you setting yourself up for a life based on who you are for other people. Again, this goes back to the way that so many of us were raised. Good girl syndrome is grounded in a mentality that taught us we were supposed to be carers. We were supposed to take care of other people before ourselves. It's also going back to the very first thing I mentioned, the fear of not being like other people. In her mind, She's like, oh, well, I don't know any moms who are childhood psychologists, so I need to go be a teacher because I do know moms that are teachers. So it's a double fear that she's got going on. She's about to make a decision for her life based on a made-up story she's telling herself in her head. So you better believe that any, even though I didn't know her very well, I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. I'm sorry, no. Pursue the dream of your heart. Everything else that you want in your life will fall into place as it's meant to. You're 20 years old. You have so much time to have your children, to have your family. But right now is when you have the time to figure out who you are, to learn about yourself and to do it in the space where you don't have the responsibility of a family counting on you. And by the way, let's just... Let's flip this. Let's go another direction. What if five years from now, six, seven years from now, eight years from now, she's like, oh, I actually don't want kids. And I let go of a dream that I used to have for something I don't even want anymore. I mean, I could go off on this tangent for a while, but y'all get my point. And by the way, I'm only talking about attaching the excuse for why you can't do something to a good relationship in your life. Many of us attach an excuse for why we can't do something to a bad relationship in our lives. I heard recently a study that said that they tested all of these people of memory of the past, particularly people who had gone through really hard things. They tested it and found out that something like 50% 
of the stories we tell ourselves surrounding hard things aren't even true. This was specifically for people who had kind of recycled the story over and over and over. You know, the first love of your life breaks your heart or you go through a messy divorce or you have a really tough relationship with your mama. Whenever people had cyclical thinking about something where they brought it back again and again and again, and it became the story of why they couldn't move forward, or it became the story of why they were not able to find love again, or it became the story of why they didn't trust people, what they found was that 50% of the scenarios that they had attached to that story never happened or had happened in totally different time. Like, wait, that didn't actually happen with your first boyfriend. That happened with a guy that you dated later on. Like their brain just kept supplying them with like, here's why, here's why, here's why. And any of you who have repetitious thinking, who have anxious thoughts, you might recognize that you could do this too. I certainly, when I heard that study, I was like, oh my God, I totally do that. Like I will make something so much bigger than it was because the trauma of going through it was so scary and I haven't processed that trauma or I haven't unpacked that trauma and I have to understand to let the past be in the past. So some of you right now have an excuse for why you can't move forward or why you're not pursuing your dream based on a monster that was under your bed 20 years ago. The monster left. You're the one that keeps calling him back in. Every day when you regurgitate that thought, when you relive that story, you're like, wait, there's no monster? Okay, let me think about the monster that used to be there to justify this fear that I have. The idea of not being able to pursue your dream because of who it will make you to other people gives all your power away. You can pursue the dream and be whoever you want to be. And back in the day, I think when I wrote about this in GSA, my whole thing was like, you can still be a good mom. You can still be a good this. You can still be a good that. Five years later, I actually don't really believe that the terms good and bad are helpful to us in this context. Bad milk is bad. Don't drink it. But in this context of like, how we show up as humans, good isn't 100% good and bad isn't 100% bad and they're all social constructs. What is a, quote, good mom? Because I've known plenty of parents that from the outside world looked like they were good. They were great. But on the inside, behind the scenes, it was BS. Maybe some of you had that kind of relationship with your parent. Any of you who had narcissist parents or narcissist partners maybe can recognize when everybody thinks that that parent is so perfect, like, oh, that's the dream. That's what I wish my mom was like. And behind the scenes, you're like, you do not know this person. You don't know the real truth. So why would you aim to be anyone else's version of good? You will never actually hit the mark. It's impossible because someone else made up the rules. Instead of trying to be good, aim to live well. Aim to pursue things that you're excited about, 
that make you feel passion. Y'all, this is going to be my theme. I really, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm going to set this up and say that I know that 2020 to today has been a shit show. And it has, yes, moments of good, moments of levity, but far and away, if you are someone who is consuming media of any kind, if you look at the last three years, it is so overwhelming. Just what we've gone through, what we've been through, I don't think any of our nervous systems are regulated the way they need to. I know so many people who have had tragedies, trauma, hardship, loss of jobs. I know many of you have struggled with your own things. And I don't know that most people are finding balance or feeling grounded again because just life feels nuts. So I know that what I'm about to say feels counter to the thought that we're all tired, that we've been through a lot, that there's a lot going on, okay? I honor and acknowledge that. But my new thing is, let's just give a damn. Let's give a damn about literally anything. Because it sounds counterintuitive if you're like, dang, I am so overwhelmed by the chaos of this world. Everything feels too big. Everything feels impossible. So that when we feel overwhelmed, we're like, okay, I'm just going to do nothing. But what I actually think the answer to bringing back joy, to feeling more grounded, to feeling more present in your life, to growing and flourishing as a person or as a family, I think that the answer is caring about something with passion is giving a damn about, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It's that you have something in your life that lights your heart on fire, that you get really freaking fired up about anime, or you love talking to people about weenie dogs. If you've hung out with me for a while, you know I love a weenie dog. Maybe you're super into the dachshunds like I am. Maybe you're really into... A, a show that you watch on TV, or you're really passionate about the business that you're building, or you're really committed to your faith, or you're on a spiritual journey and you're so excited, or maybe you're a vegan who does CrossFit. I know that there are people who are doing this. I, I see it in artists. I see it in musicians. You see it in little kids. They get so freaking fired up about what they love. But I think as adults, we're really losing this we're really losing committing to like excellence in a thing we're passionate about. And I can't stress enough, it doesn't matter what it is, but it matters that you have something. Because when we are excited and passionate about one area of our life, it expands into other areas, it permeates, you feel that energy flow in other areas of your day. People are burnt out for so many reasons but one of the biggest causes of burnout is that you're living this monotonous freaking life, working, same paycheck, doing the same thing every single day. You got to support yourself. You got to, yes, just, just one thing that you're excited about. And it is so easy. 
to hear that and be like, man, passion is a privilege. Because if you are just trying to survive, you don't have space to even think about being excited about something. But it goes back to this idea of like quiet desperation. I hope that just hearing hearing this idea maybe sparks a little something in you that you think, yeah, you know what? I Five minutes. I'm going to take five minutes and just do something for me. I'm going to take five minutes. I'm going to dance around to my favorite song. I'm going to sing, you know, One Moment in Time by Whitney Houston at the top of my lungs in the car on the way to work. I'm just going to give myself one thing. The lack of passion is making us apathetic about everything. The apathy is making us not care about other humans. The lack of passion is what's making us sick. It's what's leading to the highest rates of loneliness, depression, suicidal ideology. We're losing the joy, guys. And I feel really strongly that it's connected to a lack of just having something for you. Recently after a show for podcast tour, a woman came up to me afterwards and she said, I laughed so hard. I had so much fun. I, you know, I really, I, I, I laughed so hard. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. That was my goal. I wanted you to laugh. And she said, no, it made me realize that I haven't been laughing. Laughing that hard made me realize that I haven't been laughing. I know I went off on a tangent. It's my give a damn tangent. But I just felt like maybe someone needed to hear that today. You can't be bad at doing your life. Don't try and be good. Try and live well. And living well isn't just about survival. Living well also is about taking care of your heart and your spirit. And I know it's not the norm, but let's be people who are passionate about anything and share that passion with other people. The last excuse the last fear that is holding you back, if I said it once, I've said it a thousand times, fear of failure. Fear of failure is keeping so many of us from what would be a better life. It's just a better life on the other side of making a hundred mistakes. Fear of other people watching you fail along the route to the goal that you're trying to work against, like, That is what is holding so many people back. And it's worse than it ever has been. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Fear of failure was an issue when I wrote GSA in 2018, but it is times 1 million today because there are people whose hobby it is to literally look for you to fail and to talk about it and maybe they'll post about it or they'll tell other people at school or they'll do, like, it's a thing now. It creates this massive culture of monotony. It's kind of going back to all of these end up playing a role together. This fear of being different, this fear of being bad, this fear of messing up along the way is what is keeping everything the same. It's like, We are all trying to check a box. We're all playing it safe. We're all just going about business 
the same way every day doing the same stuff because we don't want to get anything wrong. But it's the only way that I know of to get better. Life is messy. Life involves failure. And if you want to pursue goals, then multiply that by 10. There is literally no way for you to pursue something more for your life and not mess up. There's no way. Because you're pursuing something you haven't ever done before. And if you haven't done it before, why on earth would you know how to do it correctly? You wouldn't. You know, on social media, it's like, oh, well, you should have known. You should have known that. You should have known this. You should have said it this way. You shouldn't have talked about that. You should How? How would you know if you haven't ever been through it before? If you can go into this process, whatever it is you're trying to do in life, if you can go into it with the open heart of a learner, of someone who's like, yeah, I'm learning and I'm for sure going to get this wrong. But I'm expecting to get it wrong so that I can learn how to do it better next time. Don't be afraid of failure. Be afraid of failing in the same way over and over and over and over. That means something's categorically wrong. But if you're, as long as you're failing forward, as long as you're failing in new and different and exciting ways, you're on the right path. I know it's scary, man. I know it. Especially if you have these other fears that I've already mentioned, then the fear of failure is the culmination of all of them mashed together in one giant ball of terror. But do you want to let that win? Seriously. Do you want to get to, I always say, like, get to the end of your life because that's how I measure things. Because that's how I decide what to do and what to pursue and how to show up in this world. I imagine myself at 90 years old, looking back. And I don't ever worry about looking back and questioning how I showed up as a mom. I feel very confident in my relationship with my kids and our family and the love that we have. I never question that. What I worry about is not taking chances for myself as an individual. I worry about not trying to write the crazy fiction book. I worry about what it would have been like if I had tried to do that thing or if I had tried to pursue this or if I tried to step outside the lines of what people preferred me to be. The 90-year-old version of me, that's what she doesn't want to regret. I want to get to that age and go, oh, I gave it my all. I gave it my all. I did my best to unlearn all the stuff that was holding me back I did my best to give my children a different ideology about how to show up in this world than I was given. And I did the best, the very best I could to be myself. And in order for me to be myself, I had to learn who I was as I was reinventing myself along the way. Sometimes it's like flying an airplane while building the airplane. But what a beautiful way to go. What a beautiful way to go through this life changing and evolving and learning while moving forward. A fear of failure will tell you that if you can just stay here and figure it all out, 
hey, if I just, if I have a little bit more time, I, I need like six more months with this project and then it'll be perfect. If I just stay here long enough, I'll have the keys and the information and I'll know how to do it better. Fear of failure is a liar. You're going to fail. You can try as hard as you can to stay right here in your comfort zone and never move and things will still happen where you get it wrong. So if you're gonna fail anyway, why not fail in the pursuit of a better version of you. There are a lot of excuses, right? We can come up with a whole list. In fact, there is the first chapter of GSA is that. It's all the excuses that hold us back, but what they really are is fear. And it's okay to be scared. Most of us are scared. The people that you see taking action aren't taking action with an absence of fear. They're wearing that fear like a backpack. Like, yeah, I know you're there. I'm still going to keep moving forward. That's how you do it. You do it scared. You do it worrying that you're going to be judged. You do it afraid that you're not going to show up in the right way for the people you love most. It's really normal to feel those things and worry about those things, but ultimately... They're just an excuse that keeps you stuck in this place. I hope today's conversation gave you a little something to think about. If you want to check out, if you're like my friend who had never heard of Girl Stop Apologizing, grab it at the library. You don't need to buy it. If you like the sound of my voice, you can get it on audiobook. Use one of your credits this month and grab it. But essentially, the entire book was about how we could find the courage to pursue the dreams of our heart without shame. Now that's not gonna make sense to most people, but my instinct is if you're still here after an hour of conversation, that you understand that thought, that shame has been used to control or manipulate how you show up in this world. And the only way that you step outside of it is to call it what it is, to see it for what it is, and to take action against the way that you were raised to be. If you thought this was helpful, please consider sharing it with someone else. I will be back soon with more conversation. And until then, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, 
Register today at thisisils.org.